Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. We're going to be talking about forgiveness over the next few episodes of Relationship Radio. And we're going to start in a place that people sometimes would find a little unusual. And that's this. How can I help my spouse reach the point where he or she forgives me? Hmm. As a matter of fact, there's even a subheading to that that we'll get to in this very program, which is, how can I help me forgive me? And that's what we'll talk about in this episode of Relationship Radio. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International, hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam, and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Welcome to this episode of Relationship Radio. I am Kimberly Holmes, CEO of Marriage Helper, here with the wonderful, the talented, <laughs> the most handsome, oh, Dr. My. Joe Beam. I'm afraid to find out what it is she wants. <laughs> I need to ask for your forgiveness. <laughs> oh, 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 what an interesting way to start a program about way. how to be forgiven. Yes. That's not necessarily how to do it. You don't really go to the person you're asking for forgiveness from and just pile on the (laughs) accolades. No, it's not the best way to start. Not the best way. Not the best way to start. But it is a big topic. And forgiveness is hard. Mm -hmm. It can be very hard. So we go through a process at the workshop that we really talk way more in depth about forgiveness, Mm -hmm. about reconciliation. But we wanted to hit the highlights of what is forgiveness? How do you ask for forgiveness? I know a lot of people listening to this program are thinking, how do I get my spouse to forgive me? Mm -hmm. The first key point is you can't force it. Hmm. No, it's definitely their decision. Mm -hmm. And so if you demand forgiveness, if you demand mercy and grace, Mm -hmm. actually what that communicates to your spouse is that you're not really sorry about what you did and may even indicate that you're not done with it. Mm. Because people who push for forgiveness. You've got to forgive me because you're a good person. You've got to forgive me because you're a Christian or a Muslim or whatever it might be. These people who demand forgiveness almost always are demonstrating that they aren't really remorseful about what they did because people who really are sorry for what they did, they're not demanding anything. They're just happy for whatever they get. It's mm. mm. powerful. So, The first key is that don't demand forgiveness. And when you do seek forgiveness, you ask for it. So you ask for it in what way? You ask for it sincerely, plainly, and humbly. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? 
Well, it's got to be clear. I remember a couple I worked with one time, and she was having trouble with being even around him. She was so angry. And when I asked them, I I was talking to both at the same time, I said, why is it that you still feel this way? And she said, because he's never asked me to forgive him. To which he said, I've asked you a million times. Well, when we hear never and a million, we figure the truth is somewhere <laughs> between those two. Somewhere in the middle. Somewhere, in, well, maybe not exactly a middle, but somewhere <laughs> between those two. And so I looked at him and I said, are you sorry for what you did? And he said, yes. I said, uh, do you want her to forgive you? And he said, if she would. And I said, then ask her. And she turned to him, uh, he turned to her and he said, I'm so very sorry for the pain I caused you. Can you somehow find it in your heart to forgive me? And she did. But the thing was, it had never come across before, either because of the fact that he sounded as if he were justifying what he did or Mm -hmm. trying to explain away what he did. I don't doubt that he had said before, I'm sorry, forgive me, but apparently had put it in such a word package Mm -hmm. that she didn't hear, I'm sorry. I really am asking if you can find it in your heart for you to forgive me. And that's what I mean by clearly and sincerely and humbly. Don't mix it up with a bunch of different things. Don't try to explain anything about it. Mm-hmm. Explanations can come later, but not now. Mm. And that's what we mean when we say that. Mm. So don't justify your actions like you just said. But mm-hmm. the other part is to not grovel, but demonstrate remorse. What does that mean? Well, I've noticed over time that sometimes when a person feels really bad about what he or she did, that they tend to apologize repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And so anytime, let's say that, okay, I hurt Alice back several years ago uh, by leaving her for another woman. I divorced her. Three years later, Alice and I did remarry. and, And of course, I was very sorry for what I had done to hurt Alice. But if every time I saw her have a bad mood, every time I saw her getting a little bit of teary eyed and those kinds of things, I would feel all of a sudden all this guilt all over again. I'm so sorry for what I did. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. What happens after a period of time, when you keep repeating that kind of thing, you start programming yourself to think that you're no good. Mm. Not only programming yourself to think that you're no good, you start programming the other person to think that you're no good. Mm. And so what I advise people is this. Yes. Say you're sorry. And if it comes up again, say you're sorry again, but Don't keep doing it that way. Find another way to say it. And so if it comes up again down the line, you can say something like, yes, I regret that happened. I'm glad that we're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. If it comes up again, yes, it was a tough lesson to learn, but I'm really glad I learned it. In other words, you're still indicating remorse, but you're not indicating that you're no good. Mm -hmm. And, And that's when I say don't continue to beat yourself up with that, because if you do, If you do, you program you and your spouse to think you're no good, no good, no good, no good. Don't do that. Program yourself and your spouse this way. I am truly sorry about it, but I'm so happy that now I've learned better. I'm so happy that now we're going to, well, maybe not the word happy. They may hear that different, but I did learn from it. Now we're going a different direction. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by don't grovel. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. All right. Well, We have questions that listeners have submitted in. So let's have one of our team members read this first one and then respond to it. Hey, you guys, my name is Christy and I work on the sales team here at Marriage Helper. My role here is to guide people to the best resources to help them improve their marriages. Dr. Beam and Kimberly Holmes have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners for today's episode. This person asks, 
Is there any way to help him forgive me after having an affair over six years ago? I had an affair and we went to one of your intensive weekends. We decided to stay together, but after six years, he filed for divorce and told me he just couldn't forgive me. What should I do? As we all recognize, it is the person who's been hurt that gets to choose whether they forgive or not. At the same time, when you have a husband that you have been back together for six years trying to put things together, and he says to you, I just can't forgive you, then we would start thinking, okay, maybe, just maybe, there's something deeper going on here inside of him. Because you would think that within a six-year period, surely we could have gotten past it, we'll be okay now, we can be closer, we can grow beyond like, like people do when they get past a major catastrophe. And if that hasn't happened, then there's got to be a reason it hasn't happened. Now, I'm not trying to make a counselor or a therapist out of you because I can't, <laughs> number one. And, and if you try to be on your own, you're probably going to mess things up. So be careful here of not trying to do something you're not capable of doing. But you can ask questions like this. Okay, I understand that you want out. Can you help me understand what it is that you continue to feel? Can you help me understand how intense that emotion is? Because there's a great possibility here. Now, I don't know. I'm just giving you a possibility. That what's going on here is that he has never grieved properly. In other words, if you do grieve. Kimberly, I have read, and I'm not sure this is right. You're the psychologist. I'm the marriage guy. But uh, I have read that if a person works on grieving, in other words, you don't just wallow in the pain. But if a person actually tries to get better, that it takes if it takes longer than a year and a half, you're probably going to need some kind of professional help. And mm-hmm. so if my mom dies and a year and a half later, I'm still in the throes of distress by that. Deep grief. That's deep what it's grief. called, deep grief. Deep grief. Mm-hmm. And so deep grief is grief that's not going to get better by itself. It's mm-hmm. going to take some kind of a process to help me deal with it. Am I right about that? I I have not heard the, the time frame, but I would agree with that in in principle, yes. Deep grief, you physically, psychologically, physiologically, you can't live in deep grief. Mm-hmm. So if someone is still stuck there 18 months later and they're not making any movement out, they, they need help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we don't know the whole story here, but the fact that he stayed there six years lot, yeah. and still feels that kind of pain, does that sound as if that might be deep grief? It could be. It could be. It also could be just, so if we take the definition of grief that our friends David and Debbie Matthews hold to, which I like, is that grief is a loss of expectation. So I, I thought some, this, I thought life was going to be this way and it was not, whether that was a loss of a person, of your expectation of marriage in this, in this situation. And so therefore if he has not had time to process that loss and therefore see the possibility of a new future, then he could definitely be stuck there and also holding on to resentment. Okay. When you say have, have not had time, it appears with six years he would have had time. Then that would imply to me th- that he didn't know how to process it. Right. So if you take that same premise of that we know from the, from the marriage research that people typically wait six years after a problem starts before they get help for it. 
it's it's like that here, except with a loss of expectation, a loss of what his marriage would be. The problem started six years ago, but if he hasn't dealt with it in the right ways, then it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. Which means based on our experience that in all likelihood, I'm not saying this is hundred percent going to happen, but in all likelihood that if he does divorce her and marries another woman or stays single, either way, he's still going to have the grief for sure because the grief won't be better by changing locations. Right. But I don't think it's just, we don't know because it's not said here, but I think it's not just grief. It's anger. It's resentment. It's, it's, those are the negative emotions welling inside of him where he's finally looking at her and saying, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And so that is not going to change going to a new person. He's going to carry that into the next relationship and not trust or, in all likelihood, that's correct, yes. Or just not enter into an ex-relationship because he doesn't trust. And he's still going to deal with that, how that's going to affect him as an individual, which isn't healthy. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if she's watching this program, and I hope she is, she's thinking, well, yeah, but you're not answering my question. Mm. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. I get it. But but I want to do something to help him get past this. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? Now, it may be too late. Because if he doesn't give you opportunity and he's divorcing, you may not have opportunity to do this right now. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can help a person through the grieving process. Now, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but sometimes the way you help another person through the grieving process is when you let them tell you what they feel. Meaning, okay, uh, let's talk about the hurt that you have. And if he in that does something that you won't like, which will be, you did this, you hurt me, you, 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 you'll naturally want to become defensive if that happens, because that's what humans do. But if you're able to listen to that, to understand that, to hear that, and, and, and to empathize with him, not justifying what you did, not explaining what you did, but saying, you're right, I, I see how you feel that way, that kind of pain, then you can actually help him start into the grieving process so we can start dealing with all these other things. Now, it may be that he needs professional help to do that. Mm-hmm. And so if you have any influence left with him, if, if you listen to it all, we want to recommend a, a resource of um, a company that allies with ours. Want to tell them about that? Sure. Spark of Life. It is run by our friends that we that I just spoke about, David and Debbie Matthews, and they do retreats as well as have some other resources for people who are experiencing grief. And they have a lot of couples or a lot of people, I should say, that that have experienced the loss of marriage or the loss of the, the expectation of what they thought their marriage was going to be that come from Marriage Helper and to them. And it's it's a beautiful Relation. It's a beautiful next step to help people who are really s- struggling with overcoming that grief process. So we highly recommend it. We trust them, and they do good work. You can find them at Spark of Life. That's S P A R K O F L I F E. Spark of Life dot org, mm-hmm. and you can find them there and find out what kind of resources they have. Now, I realize you might be thinking he's not going to listen to me, and he may not. But if you have any influence with him. Here's the way I would recommend that you approach this. Don't approach it in terms of, well, this is the last step that might save our marriage because it appears from what you're writing here. He's been up his mind. He doesn't want to be there. Therefore, don't 
propose anything that sounds as if you're trying not to understand the fact that he wants out. Instead, it could be something like this. I hate the fact that this still bothers you as much as it does six years later. I have heard of these people. They're very good people. They do a great job. They're recommended by the folks at Marriage Helper. We already know them. And so would you be willing to look at their website? Would you be willing to call and talk to one of them and consider the possibility of going to one of their intensive workshops? He probably won't want you to go with him, and that'll be okay. Mm -hmm. He can go by himself the way that they work it. It'll do just as well if he goes by himself. But the fact that he's still six years into this indicates that there's something inside of him that still needs to heal, but you can't make it heal. You can just try to listen, try to understand, try to encourage him to find this other thing. But he continues to have in his mind a very negative picture of you. So that's why it is so crucial that you consistently live as the uh, new you, if you'll let me use that phrase, the person that you've become because now that you have learned better. And when I say consistently, understand that nobody will do that perfectly and you won't either. But try your best to be that new person in all things. And even if you want to be divorced, it does not necessarily mean this is over. If you continue to demonstrate that you are the new you. So stop beating yourself up if you are. <laughs> Remember, don't program him or you anymore to think of you in negative ways. And then be that best you you can be through all the principles you've learned from us and in life itself. And encourage, if you will, to go to the spark of life. All right, let's go to the next question, read by one of our Marriage Helper team members. Hey, you guys. My name is Caroline, and I work on the marketing team here at Marriage Helper. In my role, I typically work on email and our website to get people the resources they need. Dr. Beam and Kimberly have asked me to read a question that was submitted by one of our listeners. This person asks, How do you forgive yourself after your spouse had an affair? I'm dealing with my own actions that created the environment that helped the affair occur. I actually admire the fact that you would take responsibility for whatever you have done that helped that situation occur, because that indicates a great deal of maturity. Only people who are okay with themselves can actually look at that rather than just blaming the other person for everything. So thank you for that wisdom. Thank you for that maturity. But be careful that in the process, you don't allow it to, in your mind, somehow justify what your spouse did. Because I'm sure that you have not been perfect. <laughs> we've, met, we've met no one who is perfect. And therefore, even though you might have done this wrong, that wrong, and the other wrong, and that really may have been a contributory factor or a series of contributory factors to your husband making the decision he made, it was his decision. So yes, take responsibility for whatever you did, but don't let that justify what he did. Mm. But Kimberly, when we talk about forgiveness, we typically say there are two things you have to do. One is you have to see the other person as flawed, human, not the devil personified, and that you have to decide not to seek vengeance against that person. Mm -hmm. But that same thing would be true, wouldn't it? in terms of my forgiving me, that I need to accept the fact that I'm a flawed person, that I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. And then I need to avoid trying to hurt myself, punish mm -hmm. myself. Mm -hmm. Now you're the psychologist, help people understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Yes. Self-punishment, that's how it's referred to in psychology, basically is the tendency to want to punish yourself, give yourself consequences 
for actions that you have taken. Now, it is never talked about positively in psychological Mm. literature. So there's no real good value from that. No, mm -mm. it it really only hinders mental. uh, It really only hinders hinders you from mentally being able to overcome a situation. And so in in one example, it's it's part of a bigger concept in psychology of how a person leads themselves. So how they take care of themselves and they're able to overcome obstacles and look forward in situations. And the measurement of self-punishment as a subset of that is a is a negative. It's gonna it will be what holds someone back. So there's probably a lot of correlation between self-punishment and low self-esteem. I, uh, I actually don't know if there's research on that. That's interesting. I haven't thought about that, but it, the bottom line is it's not going to, you're never going to guilt or shame yourself into being a better person or wanting to be better or seeing yourself as, as positive. Instead, if you really want to look at the components of self-worth in the literature, it's referred to as the contingencies of self-worth then those are going to be things like family support. Those are going to be things like, uh, even interestingly in the literature, God's love, academic achievement, uh, friendship. So what we can boil all that down to say is the things that are going to help you move forward and accept yourself and anything you've done and really increase your feelings of self-worth are going to be, are you surrounded by people who care about you? Are you intentionally pouring into those relationships? Are you doing things to help you learn and better yourself? What we talk about is with the pies. Mm -hmm. The pies concept actually really, really correlates with what the contingencies of self-worth are. Um, Except there's a couple of other things like competition that we don't necessarily (laughs) include in pies, but we won't get into that. So the bottom line of it is don't try and beat yourself into forgiving yourself or feeling better Focus on becoming the best you that you can be through working on physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual attraction. Mm. So you really, if you're going to get past this, you need to accept that whatever you did, you did. You have no time machine. You can't go back. You can't change it. Nor do you need to be punished for it. Even if that's just you sitting around thinking, oh my goodness, if only I had done that, if only I had done that, if only I changed that and done that differently, because that can be a form of self-punishment as well, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to look back and second guess yourself for all those things you did. Mm -hmm. In other words, accept I did what I did. I'm a flawed human being. I forgive me because of the fact that I'm not thinking backwards. I'm thinking toward the future. I will learn from whatever I did wrong. But my goal is to become the best me that I can be. Kimberly, how do they how do they get to your podcast about pies? Yeah. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, like where you're probably listening to this one, unless you're watching it on YouTube, you can find it starts with attraction. So you can either go to Google, type in it starts with attraction, or any podcast player, and you will find all of the episodes. And that's where you talk about how people can become the best they can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. That's right. Right. That's right. So it's a very individual focused podcast. The relationship radio, the one we're doing right now really talks about marriages. And in my podcast, I'm really talking about 
you becoming your best individual self. Sometimes we talk about different aspects of relationship, but it's not going to be about marriage. It's going to be different. It's di- it's a t- completely different topics that I talk about on my podcast. Okay. So stop the negative self-talk. <laughs> I'm no good. I'm bad. I'm terrible. Remember, we've already talked about how that programs people. Stop thinking like that. If you think about it at all, like, okay, uh, maybe he was a, a nag and kept after him all the time to the where he never wanted to come home because I always presented problems to him. All right. You've learned that that was not the best way to do it. Don't beat yourself up about it anymore. Go forward. Oh, I should have been more willing to have sex with my husband more often. Okay. If that's the case and you feel that that was an error, then it's like, I've learned better. I can do different than that now. So don't focus on the past. Don't beat yourself up. Focus on the future. Kimberly, is there anything else that we can help them with here? Yes, for sure. Of course, the workshops that we do, and I know we talk about them a lot, but it's because we really believe in them. And especially on Sunday afternoons when we have this conversation about forgiveness and reconciliation, so many people walk away with a new hope that Mm -hmm. maybe forgiveness can happen when they thought before I could Mm -hmm. never forgive, Mm -hmm. even forgiving themselves for things that they've done. And so it really is helpful to be able to, to learn that and to have someone if needed walk with you through that, such as one of our coaches and things like that. And um, yes. So I would recommend if I would recommend if the soil in the marriage is ready to get to a couple's workshop to do that. But mm-hmm. even if it's not yet, then our solo spouse workshop and the Save My Marriage immersive experience that we have can already help that person start this process to realizing what they can take ownership of, how they can begin to make things better and begin to move forward with a new hope. Can you tell just a little bit more when we're almost out of time about the Save My Marriage Immersive, immersive experience. Yes. I started to say submersive, not the right word. <laughs> submersive. <laughs> immersive experience. I like it. You go scuba diving first. <laughs> first. So yes, it is the best of the best of what we have to offer for the person who is standing for their marriage or just wanting to become a better spouse in their marriage. And it has the Save My Marriage online course that we have had for five or six years now. And it includes a, a a ticket, so to say, to the solo spouse workshop, the three-day mm. workshop that we have for the solo spouse. So it's every best tool we have for that solo spouse wow. to save their marriage and and begin to save their marriage. I mean, there's no other way to put it. We have seen marriages saved from the one spouse beginning to work on things. Absolutely. And so if you go to marriagehelper.com, marriagehelper.com, and if you click the workshops tab, mm-hmm. they can find out about this there, or at yes. least at least they can uh, fill out a contact form right. and one of our client representatives. Absolutely. Okay. So Kimberly, we're out of time. Mm-hmm. What are the key takeaways from today? The first is to accept that your spouse has the right to forgive or not to forgive. So remember, don't demand it in your actions or your words. The second is to take full responsibility for what you have done without any kind of justification. And the third, allow grief to occur in your spouse and in yourself. And especially in your spouse, maybe you can even help that process by encouraging them to visit something like Spark of Life in order to go through a grief process. 
And four is clearly demonstrate the new you. If we want to move past grief, try and get rid of the things that remind us of the old and focus on the new. Very good. Well, we have a lot more questions about forgiveness, various parts of forgiveness that we'll be talking about in the next few episodes. For Kimberly and me, we will see you in the next Relationship Radio. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.